Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You will not let your footstep. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you and thank you, Father, for your word. We say it's the living word of God that you actually do a work in us to strengthen us, to comfort us, to draw us to repentance as you speak to us through your word. And we pray, Lord, as we think about your psalm today, that you would speak to each of us in the way that we need to be spoken to. Do your surgery on our hearts. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, there's something that... Uh, Every single person in this room has in common. Even if we have the babies here, we have in common with the babies to the most distinguished elder. We hold this one in common. We even hold this one in common with dogs. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That we all do? In fact, this thing that we all do together actually differentiates us from God even. It makes us all different from who God is. What am I talking about? Sleep. <laughs> we don't sleep. Anybody here not sleep? And a significant part of our lives we sleep, don't we? There's not one of us who can sleep. Actually, that's not entirely true. There are times I can't sleep. And what's usually happening when I can't sleep? I'm being filled with this sense of dread. Or all these worries, my mind spinning to all these different things, right? That, I, that are unresolved or I can't control them. And when I finally sleep, what I finally do, I finally relinquish control, don't I? You finally give up, and I have, I can do nothing but lay like this sack of sand in this bed and do absolutely nothing about it. I think actually sleep is an important um, example of how we're supposed to be with God. Because in that moment, we give up all control, who we submitting to in that moment and giving control to, to God, who actually is in control. He is in a term from Psalm 121, the one who watches. He is the watcher. And today I want to talk about this invitation from the watcher, which I think is so critical to us, that we really grasp his promise. Because I think when we grasp our promise, it's not just that we sleep well, it's that we live well. That we live in the way we're supposed to live, and it's even beyond simply having a release from anxiety. To understand God's calling as the watcher is to actually receive it as our calling in the world, as his little watchers. So all I want to talk about today is invitation from the watcher. God's uh, initially from Psalm 121 about what, is it, what do I mean that he's the, the watcher? What does that mean? What does it mean to watch? Because it's not like watching a football game. Right? That's the Hebrews far bigger than that. But what does it mean that we embrace that as our calling as the watcher? So, Psalm 121, invitation from the watcher. 
Psalm 121 is an important part of the Psalms, uh, Psalm 121, 34, which are called the Psalms of Ascent. And it's not just called that. In the Hebrew, actually, at the start of each one of these Psalms, it says that in the Hebrew, like the, the song of going up. And the idea was that this is uh, traditionally was a pilgrimage. So three times a year, we're supposed to go up to Jerusalem. Right, the three great feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And if you could, you'd come from anywhere in the world, or certainly in Israel, come up to Jerusalem. Now, I go, like, if I go to like, Boston, I used to say I'm going down to Boston, or I'm going down to Mexico, or up to Canada. But when it came to Jerusalem, it didn't matter where you were in the world, everybody goes up to Jerusalem. It's still a phrase now in English, it's the phrase in Hebrew, everyone goes up to Jerusalem, it's on the mountains. And so the so this was the song of the ascent, the song of going up to Jerusalem. As these pilgrims would come along and, you know, you can imagine meditating on these songs, singing them together, going up. Now, the first verse of the, you can, you can hear in the pilgrim song, you know, the pilgrims walking along and saying these famous words, I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And, um, Maker of heaven, it always reminds me of the Apostles' Creed as well, this idea, you know, the creator of heaven's earth. And uh, the idea that this is the God who made all things as I walk along, the Lord. But it's interesting, this context here, there's a lot of debate as to what this means. Why is he looking to the hills? And why is he asking for help? So like some people say, I'm looking up to the hills because of his majesty and beauty of creation. It's making me meditate upon my great help, the Lord. Others would say, well, no, no, the hills are, uh, you know, for pilgrims, you're very exposed, you're very vulnerable. This is where, you know, animals come down, or bandits, and they can come down the hills. And where's my help going to come from? I look at the hills. Where's my help coming from? Ah, my help comes from the Lord. And still others would say, actually, the hills are the places of the high places, you know, where you have uh, pagan worship. And, uh, you know, and you can imagine if you're walking through a land and, you know, there's little altars up on the hills. You're thinking, I want to go up there and just make a little sacrifice or give some kind of offering to the priest there. Sort of as a local insurance policy against the local deities. It's kind of like protection money. You know, I, there's some of these gods here, God here, God here. I'm just going to pay the money off and help us because I know I'm exposed. And he says, no, no, where's my help come from? He comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven. Now, uh, I'm not going to decide for you which of those versions is true. But I will say, what's actually so remarkable about this psalm is it actually doesn't matter which of those verses is true. So comprehensive is the promise and the assurance of this psalm that it covers all of this, all of it together. This idea of him being the one who watches. And that is the, the huge piece of this psalm. This is not this phrase that he watches. Look how often it comes up. It's only eight verses long, this entire psalm. And look how many times it mentions this idea. You know, he'll not let your foot slip, it says. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel, in the slumbers of sleep, the Lord watches over you. From you to Israel to you. Lord, shake your right hand. Some will harm you by day or by night. Why? The Lord will keep you. By the way, that word keep is watch. We're watching from all harm. By the way, we're going to talk about that more. Kind of gives you an idea if the word watch is insufficient. It would translate as keep as well. He keeps you from all harm. He'll watch over your life. Are you starting to get the concept here? He's going to watch over you. Watch over you. He's watch over you. He's watching over your life. He'll keep you from, he'll watch over your harm. How, how much does he watch over you? 
Lord, watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Pretty comprehensive, huh? Coming, when you're going out and when you're coming in, he's watching over all that. From the sun by day to the moon by night, at all times he's watching over you. From now, forevermore. It doesn't get a lot more comprehensive. Is there any other, is there any room where he's not watching? No. This is the assurance of pilgrims coming up to Jerusalem, Lord, that you watch over everything, that you are a shade, you are a shade of our right hand. That you, that you, all these hills, wherever harm it is, Lord, you are watching over us and you know. And this term watch um, is incredibly important. It appears uh, 400 times in the Old Testament. This idea of a watch is, is, is it's a key, key term. Not just a descriptor of God, but a descriptor of the way we're supposed to be. Like this is one of you have certain key words you need to know. This is one of the key words. A shamar is the verb. Shomer is a, sort of is a continuous with how it often gets used. Like if I'm watching something or I am the watcher. Um, do you guys remember Oded? Oded? It's uh, one of our actually missionaries as well to Israel. Oded was in Kibbutz. And in the old days, the Kibbutz would have all the children uh, raised collectively. So, like, you know, ultimate socialist system, right? So the kids actually would all sleep at night together. And, you know, if you were in trouble, you didn't call out to mom or dad. Who would you call out to? Shomer. Shomer, 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 keeper, watcher, come and help us. That's the term they would use. And the term really means to uh, pay careful attention to, to guard, to keep, to care for. You remember, you might do the divine benediction, Lord bless you and keep you. It's that word. May the Lord bless you and watch over you. And keep is actually, in some ways, a better word. Um, in Genesis, that's the when God says to Abraham, you must keep my covenant. He means you must watch. You must watch my covenant. And actually, that's what we're forced to with all the commands. To, to keep them, to watch them, pay careful attention to them, do them. You know, to, uh, it's not just overseeing. Keep me safe, O oh God, for you I take refuge. This is the key thing in Genesis 3. Here it says the uh, cherubim, almost outside of Genesis 3, were placed outside the Garden of Eden. They're flashing back and forth to guard. Same idea. It's amazing. So if you think of watching, is watching very active? Here, watching is involving flashing swords, making sure no one gets in. So it's not just sitting back, you know, detached, looking at it. This is what God does over us. Guard, keep, hold, look over. This is what God is in our lives to do. It's actually critical. This first appears all the way back. What an important word. It's part of our calling, right? Genesis 2, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. We were to be watchers. And take care of it is to watch. So this is what I call, you know, God, the creator of all things, takes us and makes us his like sub-regent, in a sense, to care for and watch over this area. And as we broke from God, what happened, right? We're placed outside the garden, and ironically, that same word is now used to describe the way the cherubim keep us out of the garden and guard it with a flashing sword. In many ways, what happens when we come to Jesus is we come back into the garden, right? He came down to reconcile us and bring us back 
and to reestablish our calling as the underwatchers of God. But what's one of the problems with being these underwatchers? Right? What, what's one of our big differences between us and God, right? God's huge and big and knows everything, we're very small and finite. Right? And so the idea that, you know, we need, as his under people here watching him, he says, I'll not let your foot slip. Right? Meaning, uh, in the midst of our frailty here, and if you remember this idea that foot slip and walking is all of the scripture, you know, we're called to walk with God, we trust in him, he makes our path straight. And it's a key way in which the, the key metaphor of Scripture saying how we live our lives is how we walk. It says when we trust in Him, we hope in Him, He makes our feet firm. He can make us walk on heights, you know, the way like a goat does on a mountain, right? You can walk on there. It says the wicked, their feet are slippery now. And you fall. Those apart from God will slip. Those who trust in God, you may stumble, but you will not fall. You know, He will set your feet firm now. And says, you know, when God watches over us, he sets our path firm. But then he says, he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will not slumber or sleep. Because here's this amazing thing, right? Sleep is our weakness, right? We become small, but God is the one who doesn't sleep. I love what John Piper said about this. He said, um, sleep is a daily reminder from God that we are not God. Once a day, God sends us to bed like patients with a sickness. The sickness is a chronic tendency to think we are in control and that our work is indispensable. To cure us of this disease, God turns us into helpless sacks of sand once a day. How humiliating to the self-made corporate executive that he has to give up all control and become as limp as a suckling infant every day. <laughs> Isn't that an amazing quote? <laughs> but what an amazing idea. The most powerful man in the world becomes utterly um, weak and helpless. He is completely exposed. He has really set up all his guards the night before. Because in himself, he has zero protection. And it's not like once a year this happens. Right? Or, or once every few months, you have to like revert back to this, you know, baby form. Every single day, every one of us has to revert to become an infant, as helpless as an infant. Totally exposed, totally weak, let go of everything. Isn't that stunning? <coughs> that you, you cannot take control of one thing and from every single day you're reminded of that as you sleep. And really, what are you trying to do when you can't sleep? As I said, you're often trying to, it's a refusal to relinquish that, isn't it? It's a refusal to relinquish that you are not God. And this is really what he's pulling you back and you uh, embrace your lack of Godness and allow yourself to rest. Embrace the idea that he is the great watcher who neither slumbers nor sleeps. That word indeed, by the way, um, when you're reading through it, there's this word, hine, which is this powerful word in the Hebrew, and it's like it's sort of an intention grabber. It's far better to say, behold! It's like you're looking at it, you're walking through the song, and it goes, check it out, you know? And it grabs you, and unfortunately here in English, they go, indeed. <laughs> I, uh, it's like, it's just, does it just doesn't, does that punch you, indeed? It's supposed to punch you, you know? Um, he who watches you over you will not slumber. 
The whole, even who watches over you, neither slumbers or sleeps. Do you get it? Always watching, always there. He sees it. You're weak, you're small, you go to sleep, you're exposed. Not the Lord who's watching over you. And as we embrace this idea of the watcher over us, it's not just about sleep. Do you see this is an all of life? And so many of you, sleep is, the, is a great example of how all of life is. We're weak. We, we see very small. We can do very little relative. We can control almost nothing. And so many God wants us to embrace that. Embrace your weakness. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't hate it. Don't despise it. Embrace it underneath the watchfulness of God. And He watches and He sees. And I think this radically changes our life. One of the um, problems I have is um, generally what's been happening to me, especially the last 10 weeks or so, is every time I'm going to preach on a subject, I have to experience it viscerally that week. <laughs> it's been for a hard 10 weeks. <laughs> I'm really nervous about the, you know, doing the next sermon schedule. My gosh, is this really what I'm going to be going through? Yeah. Um, but it was like one of these things, you know. I, uh, you know, every so often, yeah, I, I had this thing on. It was like they, oh, you still just sleep with a sense of dread, you know. And there's all these little things going off, or things don't go right. You know, and this was one of the things where there were like like six or seven of these different things, everything from, you know, um, kids being sick to, you know, conflict and marriage. Oh, wait, don't worry about conflict. I'm not going to think I'm in a terrible shape. We're fine. It's married, most conflict in marriage is not that unusual. <laughs> I mean, just to say that, single people are like, oh my goodness, what happened? You kind of learn now. But apart from that, you know, it was, this is fun, isn't it? <laughs> Things to remember. Haven't I watched over you? 
Having the hardest things in your life, aren't you somehow made it through there? I mean, oftentimes you talk about these hard things, you say, God, you know, how, how could you let that happen? And so you sit there and go, if that other question is, why didn't it destroy How did you come through it when you're here? And I can't tell you myself, the hardest things I've been through in my life yeah. have made me who I am today. Yeah. And become a great source of wisdom and strength and perseverance. Mm-hmm. I don't wish on anybody. But the Lord sustained me and gave me what I needed and pulled me through that. I think well, that's just one of the coolest things about what happened as a church here is I hope, you know, I always think the lessons for church are really lessons for life that happen in this little example. It's like God says, look, you, you don't have a building, you don't have a bank account, how are you doing? Just fine. <laughs> and you think, wow, Lord. And instantly, too, hey, no, actually, we're going to toss you in like 48 hours. Boom, no problem. And it's not, and that's not so hard, is it? No. no, it's the glory of the watcher. We sleep, we're weak, we're small, we can't figure out, the Lord knows. He stays, He keeps us, He holds us. The Lord watches over you. Your comings and your goings, this time more forevermore. But the idea of the watcher isn't simply that God is watching over us and making sure that we don't be fear and anxiety. You see, it's a recovery of a calling. What's our guarding calling? We were the watchers. Underneath the care of the great watcher. And God now, we're to care for God's creation. God, you know, care for his world. Most of the stuff God does in the world happens through us. Through people. He doesn't supernaturally zap down. You know, he comes through us. You are the provision of God in other people's lives. You are the great watcher's care for those walking around. And that was an incredible thing. I, don't know if you, I, I wish Bob, you did a great job explaining it, but I feel like <laughs> anyone who wasn't there just couldn't imagine how utterly bizarrely supernatural it was. I mean, we got done with this whole study that said, and we unlocked with this convention. It wasn't even where Andrew was trying to land it, right? I felt like the Lord landed it in the spot where we all said, Man, I need to be available to you, God, and I believe God and expect that you are doing things in the world and need to be used by you. That's how it kind of landed. Then we go, okay, let's go to lunch. <laughs> and uh, let's pray, spiritually, let's pray about it. Think about lunch. <laughs> but then, out of the driveway, boom, a car's coming in. And we're like, I mean, immediately. And, 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 and of course, the temptation immediately is just to, just to get past and wait and go. And then to go, no, 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 could this be? Immediately the Lord is just like suddenly stopped doing something, and it was. And we're able to care for this man coming through. And we're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Wow, Lord. Immediately after we left there, we all went, that is incredible. Like, bam, what a lesson, Lord. Thank you. And we just jump in the car. Now we're going to lunch. And then Johnny takes a wrong turn. And we're like, you know, and actually took a wrong turn because we tried to pass a guy who just drove into a ditch. Oh, my word. <laughs> and it's gone. And all of us kind of went like, huh, next? <laughs> you know, okay, man, we're helping guy in the ditch. And now people are like, I can't believe you guys stopped. You're, not, you're from Massachusetts? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they were shocked. I thought we really stood up for Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the reputation is terrible. And, and, and we're just like, it's like, what's happening? We're saying, you know, Jesus is telling us that, you know, there are opportunities to be his hands and be out in the world. And he's like, huh. Thank you, Jesus. You know? And you know, it's like, well, now we're done. That's amazing. Now let's go have lunch. No. Still, you know, we're having lunch in the restaurant, and some guys end up talking. How many people 
Hey, Ramsey, Lord, I am available to you. How the conversations you want me to have, the people you want me to help, the folks you want me to talk to about you, Lord, let me be available to you. Oh, Lord, you are God. Your mercy turns Lord, help us to embrace that you watch over us. That you will keep us from all harm. And Lord, that each of us, as we walk out on this, we look to the hills, we look to our workplaces, we look to our homes, we look to our communities, and we say, where does our help come from? Our help comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. We exalt you, we praise you, we thank you, Lord. We are humbled by your goodness, Lord. In the name of Jesus.